Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Uh, today I'm joined by Justin Devel, a managing director at receptional.com. Hello, Justin. Uh, hi there, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, apart from my slightly sexy voice, because I'm just coming off the tail end of a cold here. So I'm doing lots of um, gritty film voiceovers, I wish. Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the money's not as good doing this as it would be doing film voiceovers. <laughs> Right, so yeah, receptional.com. I mean, you've been helping people sort of, you know, sort of navigate through the fallout of being caught by these various, you know, sort of algorithm changes on Google and things. But tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a slightly better story of what Receptional do. Oh, of course. Well, Receptional has been around since uh, 1999. So we were founded uh, in the same year as, uh, as Google. Um, and we've been doing SEO and PPC uh, ever since. Uh, obviously, we're not quite as quite as large as they are, but uh, but you know we've got a lot of years' experience in the industry. Uh, you're asking about the kind of some of the some of algor- algorithm changes. Mm. Um, I think it's about 500 changes a year or something uh, that they make at the moment. But some of the most important a uh, couple of years ago was uh, was Penguin when that rolled out. I think we were the first agency to help a uh, a client recover from uh, uh, a Penguin uh, algorithm penalty, mm. and it was a client that had come to us. We were uh, three days into working with them, uh, and they suddenly suddenly all of their traffic disappeared. So they're a brand new client, and the first thing that happens is is all all of their traffic goes yeah. so we had to spend quite a bit of time investigating what you know what that penalty was and where it had come from and at the time it didn't even have a it didn't have a name no one even uh, had called it uh, penguin it was just something that google was doing and uh, and so we did help that site recover, uh, and that gave us an enormous amount of experience. I think it was it was a it was a big uh, national retailer, and so they got tens of thousands of links coming into a, into its site. And at that stage, we just had to go through them all manually, one after one after the other. So you learn an awful lot about about the site and about you know what causes a penalty at that point. And so since then, we've helped a number of sites that have come to us uh, and have been affected by penalties. Wow. Uh, and so far, we've got a hundred percent success rate. Some take a little bit longer than others, but I think we've got quite a good you know, quite a good process now for helping sites recover. You've kind of grown up with Google then, haven't you? Uh, me personally, uh, uh, no, I'm a little bit older than that, I'm afraid. <laughs> I mean, as a so, company. But, but certainly, certainly as, a, as a company, yes. I mean, I've been in, uh, in digital, well, not digital marketing, in marketing. I started off in, in direct marketing when I, when I first left university, sending out uh, uh, you know, mail shots and kind of testing marketing campaigns, uh, working in the publishing industry. And that's a kind of a great, uh, a great background for learning about digital because a lot of the techniques that you, know, you pick up there you know, apply you know, just as well online. Yeah. 
Now, Justin, I wanted to focus uh, today's show on link building, different ways of, of link building. What are the tactics that are working in link building right now, you know, in the light of these recent Google algorithm changes? Link building has changed an enormous amount over, over the last couple of years. If anything, kind of the, the changes that Google are introducing, uh, both in SEO and in PPC, I mean, I think probably digital marketing and SEO and PPC have changed as much over the last 18 months or so as at any point in their, in their history. Uh, and for lots of people, that means that they, some of the link building techniques and tactics that they've been using have had to change. You know, there's been an enorm- enormous number of agencies uh, were affected by um, the Penguin updates uh, and have had to change their tactics. None of uh, receptionist clients have ever been hit by a Google penalty. Um, well, that's given us an advantage over the last couple of years, um, just because some of the tactics that we've been using all along have now come into their own, and we've got you know a good understanding of kind of the people and uh, and techniques. Uh, and so, what I wanted to do out today was just to outline a number of um, a number of the approaches that we take in terms of in terms of our link building. Because uh, despite all the talk about you know content marketing and how important content is, and of course it is. Um, it's also about promoting that content and, and getting other sites to link to you and demonstrating that you're uh, demonstrating to Google that you're you know a popular and authoritative member of the online community. Yeah. So these are strategies that you can use to sort of be able to do effective link building in the light of recent Google changes. Let's start with the first one then. What I was interested in was kind of trying to pick a number of different tactics, some of which apply to B two B and some which will apply to you know to to more consumer markets. Uh, and so the first one uh, is competitions. So we've been running uh, a number of competitions for some of our clients, uh, and these can be an incredibly cost-effective way of getting publicity. So there's an example that we ran for a client recently in which we encouraged people to win a chocolate pizza. A chocolate pizza? <laughs> now, I, I didn't even know that chocolate pizzas existed, but they are, <laughs> they're not quite as disgusting as they sound, but I'm still, I still haven't tried one. Um, but uh, but it was great in terms of uh, in terms of just that idea of a chocolate pizza, and it got yeah. people quite excited, and they were tweeting about it, uh, and it got people very interested in, in that as a competition. And so we ran that for a client, and there's a number of you know number of advantages of running a competition, and you can really do it in two ways. One is you can do it on your own site and get other people to to link to you because there's a competition going on that where you've got a prize that people will want to buy or will want to win. Or you can uh, you can run it in conjunction with a partner, and so if you're kind of a, a smaller a smaller business, but you've got something valuable you can offer, it's uh, it's well worth tapping into other people's uh, traffic and authority by offering something for free. So there's a couple of different ways that we can we can run that, uh, and that's worked very successfully. And as always in the link building methods that we use, we always ask the question: you know, is this something that we would want to do uh, for the sake of the business, even if there were no SEO advantage? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the sort of thing where it's really about attracting people to the top of the marketing funnel. So it's getting your brand awareness out there and getting people to come into your site. But that's been working successfully for us over the last over the last few months. Well, I would be intrigued to see a chocolate pizza. Did you see it in the end? I've got I've got some pictures of it here in front of me, and it, I mean, it, 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 it looks it looks terrible in a picture. But we had we had one in the office, and it it doesn't it doesn't look so bad. It's it's basically chocolate rather than pizza, and, and there can never be anything wrong with that. No, that's all. So yeah, so that's that's kind of the first sort of technique that we've uh, that we've been working working with that's been that's been going well, and it's very you know it's uh, as I say it's very kind of top of the funnel. So it's about raising brand awareness. Okay, brilliant. So that's competitions. Yes. Yeah. And so then uh, uh, another another area that uh, that we've been working on, which is much more B two B, is surveys. Yeah, and creating 
when I used to work, my first my first job after graduating was working at Data Monitor, and uh, and really that whole business at Data Monitor is about conducting surveys, creating market research, and making news stories and uh, and reports out of it. And so we can still apply those to, to almost any sort of business, uh, except that nowadays, 20 years on, it's much easier to collect survey data. And so if you've got a reasonable sized business with, uh, with a customer base, it's possible to you know, ask them questions and find out yeah, you know, what your customers are thinking and turn that into information that can create good news stories. Or if uh, if you don't have such a big customer base, uh, then there's kind of research companies out there that will survey a number of people for you. It's a bit more it's a bit more expensive, but there's actually some cost effective ways of uh, of doing that nowadays that make it you know make it a tactic that can be applied to kind of you know very small sites as well as larger ones. Yeah. So this feels like the previous one, quite top of the funnel. Is that right? Yes, yes, I, I would, I would say it is. So that you kind of uh, you're creating publicity for the brand, mm. but if you can create a, a good a good news story because you've got some proprietary information, yeah, uh, then that can get a lot of that can get a lot of coverage. So, for example, we uh, were working with um, a disability website, uh, and so we ran a survey about people's attitudes to disability and kind of what were the problems that people uh, that people felt frustrated about in in town centres in terms of people getting around and mobility. And that got quite a lot of coverage. And so then, you know, that's getting national press, trade press, you know, and obviously you need the kind of the, the contacts in place to be able to talk to some of those people. But if the, if the story is strong enough, then it, it, will, it will get coverage and publicity. Uh, and so then that then that gets your name and your brand out there, but it also gets you some really nice links from, uh, you know, strong authoritative publications. Interesting stuff. And so, again, that's the sort of thing that can apply both to, both to B2B and, you know, and B2C as well. So that's like a sort of hybrid that, you, that will work for both business and clients, consumers. Yes, I, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's finding it's finding the uh, the angle and the, and the right questions to ask. I think is the, is, yeah. is the key to making that successful and having a large enough pool of people who are, who are willing to respond to you. Fantastic. So that's surveys. The next tactic, I suppose, is more is more B two C for kind of for retailers. Uh, and that's kind of really about blogger reach, uh, blogger outreach, and, and product product reviews is something that's working particularly well for us at the moment. Uh, it does rely upon you having a, a product, a physical product that you can send out to people for them to for them to review. So uh, there's lots of businesses that we work with, for example, you know, insurance uh, or you know, uh, conceptual products, uh, and it doesn't really work there. But uh, if you've got a product that you can that's kind of that's uh, it needs to be relatively inexpensive, but it can be sent out to people. Uh, then we've got a good network of bloggers that we've worked with over the years, and we can always find appropriate people to kind of review those products. And again, that's about creating some some favourable publicity. But it allows people not just to kind of look at your look at the product that they're reviewing, but also the whole uh, the whole area of customer service. Uh, and, and delivery and all that kind of thing, and to be able to review, re- review the whole brand experience, um, and so that's kind of a tactic that's that's working well. And yeah. again, it's, it's not about going out to people for the sake of uh, uh, the sake of the links. It's kind of finding authoritative sites where you would want to be mentioned anyway that are relevant to your brand, mm. uh, and, and getting in touch with those people and getting to review your product. It's an interesting area, this actually, isn't it? It's this is a form of content marketing. I've spoken to quite a few people who review products. There's always this slightly tricky thing of do you kind of say, for example, a company gave you something to review and said you can keep it. Do you mention that or do you not? Do you sort of hide the fact and still speak highly about it? Have you ever encountered much about this? My feeling is that, you know, and I, I was, as a, you know, 
as I worked in publishing for a number of years, where the editorial guidelines before the internet were pretty strict about this kind of thing. And you had to distinguish between what was, uh, you know, what was paid for and what was not paid for. And yeah. I think that's, that's a good rule to stick with. And I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly happy if someone is uh, reviewing a product that they disclose exactly where they've got that product from and whether they paid for it or not. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing as restaurant reviewers writing in a paper, isn't it? You know, yeah. that you, you want to know that they've paid for their own meal and that they're not in hock to that restaurant for anything in the future and that you get a kind of a fair and accurate assessment of, uh, uh, of, of their experience. And it's exactly the same thing online. Yeah, but nevertheless, a very powerful technique. I think, you know, this disclosure and, uh, and honesty is, is, is absolutely the right way forward. Okay, so that's blogger outreach, product reviews. What's the next one? Uh, and so then I thought kind of... Uh, Let's talk a bit, a little bit about some of the kind of the social media that we've been uh, that we've been doing. Often, the kind of people put these uh, different activities in in separate areas, don't they? So, kind of social media and link building and SEO and PPC are all, all entirely separate. But you know, our link building team has been having some fantastic success using Twitter. Yeah, to reach out to people uh, and get in touch with them, and so kind of we, we're collecting a number of different hashtags that kind of people are reacting to very well. And I think it's really well worth if you're if you're um, uh, involved in marketing, kind of starting to kind of record some of the hashtags that are working for you. Uh, and so, for example, we had a um, a campaign that we were running recently around uh, around pets, yeah. uh, and obviously there's a kind of you know, there's a clear social media angle on that. But by using by using Twitter, we were able to get, you know, hundreds of responses of people who'd kind of got pet blogs or were in the pet industry, you know, and, and wanted to and wanted to get involved in a in a campaign that we were running. Uh and, and so that sort of thing is, you know, is working incredibly well. Uh and it's what is one of those things where, you know, we, we we when we started testing it, I was a little bit cynical, as I as I often am about anything new. Yeah. And uh, uh and actually it worked it worked fantastically well and uh, and I so often I had to keep my words about it. And I think building team you know you know had some fantastic results of simply you know, reaching out to people on twitter twitter's very real time isn't it i mean how do you cope with that or how do you leverage that then i think it's it's about being you know it's about being able to to, to react in the moment and i think i think you're right what will happen is you'll kind of you'll put out a tweet and you may then get you know 100 responses and you need to get back to those people really quickly so i think it's just being prepared that everyone in the team knows that that's what you're going to do and if, if everyone then needs to kind of lend a hand in terms of responding to people then it's just being able to react in that way quite quickly because you're right you don't want to you don't want to be kind of letting people uh, you don't want people to be responding to you and then not getting back to them you know in a in a fairly uh, short time space so presumably you have to put um sort of various guidelines in place don't you about how you the language that you use and sort of how you respond to people in t- in terms of uh in terms of the uh, the team here you mean in terms of uh, representing our brand and the client that's right yeah the internal team yes yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, we. I mean, we do, we do. We do have some some guidelines in place, but I think we're we're not we're not using Twitter on a on a day to day basis in that in, in that way. So we're not kind of managing the the client's whole social media media campaign. We'll put out one or two tweets in which we're asking for specific things, people to participate in a particular uh, in a t- particular campaign. Fantastic. And I think you had one more, didn't you, Justin? So I did, and the final the final one was kind of um, was probably slightly more controversial, uh, and that was kind of guest posting because ah. there was a lot, of, a, a lot of talk last year, wasn't there, about um, about guest posting, you know, dying as yes. a, as is guest posting dead? Method. Yes, yeah. yes, and it was a response to um, a post that uh, Matt Cutzer put up on his personal blog saying that uh, Google was really going to crack down on guest posting. And uh, and so of course everyone uh, everyone read that post uh, and in the first edition of the post that's exactly what Matt Cutts said he said that guest posting was going to die 
there was such a furore there that he went back and edited the article and made it slightly clearer. Right. Uh, and I think one of the things, as I said earlier, one of the rules that we have is we will say, is there a good business reason for, you know, for doing this marketing activity without, uh, even if we weren't interested in SEO? Uh, and guest posting, I know from my days, you know, back in, back in the publishing industry, is something that's been going on for years and years and years and trying to cultivate thought leadership in offline publications was happening well before the internet was around. And so it's, you know, it's a good old-fashioned marketing technique that can still work well. And the sort of thing that I think Matt Cutts was trying to cut down on was the kind of the, you know, the software that goes out there, rewrites an article a uh, hundred different ways, and then publishes that article uh, automatically on a number of completely automated sites where mm. there's no human interaction for the sake of building links. And, you know, quite frankly, that's, that's the right thing to be doing. You know, that's just creating shit on the internet and nobody wants to see that. No, absolutely not. Uh, but guest posting on authoritative sites where you're creating an interesting story, you know, perhaps with your own primary research or, you know, where you've got something unique to say, I still think is, you know, is, is a very strong tactic, you know, and that's something that's been working successfully for us in B2B markets, particularly where you've got to educate clients about uh, about your product. Because a lot, a lot of the time in B2B markets, people are doing something innovative and there isn't huge amounts of search traffic there because no one's heard of their product or their service yet. And so we've really got to kind of generate that traffic and that interest and guest posting can be a you know fantastic way of uh, of doing that and it ties in much more with kind of traditional marketing methods but they can then be applied online and we can generate the sort of authority that google wants to see for the website five great techniques there justin i'm kind of interested in budgets what sort of budgets can these be done on so uh, for some of the some of the techniques, then for example, running a competition, it's the cost of a chocolate pizza, yeah. you know, uh, plus plus the time that's involved in then in then promoting that came that campaign. And I would say with most most of those campaigns, it's not about huge amounts of, of money being involved. It's about the time uh, and the energy and resources that you need to that you need to commit to it. About trying to create uh, a message that's that's unique and authoritative. You also mentioned on a few of them that some were more inclined towards business to client or B2C, some of them were more B2B. Is there a general sort of difference in approach between B2B and B2C? Yes, I think I, think I was touching upon it when I talked about guest posting, wasn't I? And kind of in B2B markets, the audience is often very much more tightly defined and so it may be that there's only a, a few hundred people in the world that you're targeting uh, and so it's much more about kind of researching the audience and finding out where those people may be uh, maybe reading online uh, and, and having a much clearer sense of who it is that you want to be speaking to. Uh, and then tailoring the content and spending more time tailoring the content specifically to that, uh, to that audience. So, for example, we've got a we've got a client that's a, there's a software provider, and, and not huge amounts of people have uh, have heard of their uh, have heard of their product. And so, what we what we do is we we spend a lot of time writing articles that educate people so they understand how that software works and what the what the benefits are of uh, of using it. And that's very different to kind of uh, you know promoting chocolate pizzas. Well, Justin, five very useful techniques there. I'm sure our listeners will find those useful. How can we all find out more about you and more about Receptional? Then the easiest way is to go to uh, www.receptional.com. Or uh, if you want to have a conversation, then just email me at justin at receptional.com. I'm happy to chat with anybody. Fantastic. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You can find the show notes at sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We have an email, podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. If you want to call us and leave a message or a question, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. 
and we'll see you all next time that's goodbye from me Andy and it's goodbye from Justin thank you very much goodbye and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.